Hi, this is Lady C. Hey, and this is JT. Welcome to another episode of The Critical Thought. In the upcoming episode, we're going to be speaking with Coco, and she's going to be telling us all about her experience growing up as one of Jehovah's Witnesses, but she never got baptized. Not only that, but in the last couple of months, Coco has came out online with her own YouTube channel, and it's titled XJW Unbaptized Publisher, and we want to welcome her to the show. Hello. Thank you so much, Lady C and JT, for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We're glad that you could be here as well. Yeah, absolutely. We want your voice to be heard along with everybody else. Thank you. You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses. So, Coco, you know, for the last few uh, weeks, we've had the opportunity to invite people on who were not baptized, but we know that their lives were impacted. And your story is uh, is one of those stories that lets people see that this uh, religion impacts people at every single level. And today we'd like for you to share with us some of those aspects and how you were able to take what happened to you and literally move on with your life as well. Yes, yes, yes. So, hi, I have on my shirt. I got a testimony <laughs> because I have a testimony. And um, basically, I am a third generation Jehovah's Witness, but I never got baptized, as we know. Right. And um, my mother is currently still in the religion organization business. And she's a regular pioneer. I'm an only child and an only grandchild. My grandmother was a Jehovah's Witness. My mother is, like I said, currently a Jehovah's Witness. And I was a, I was a publisher. And um, I'm now my mom's caregiver. So she's um, in her 60s. And I, we're very, very close, but with conditions. So one of the first videos that I made was conditional love. Um, and that's what I what I'm most accustomed to. So if you get a chance, definitely check out my channel where I talk through what that looks like. But it is very tough. I am newly married. So I'm 47 years young and I've been married for about two and a half years. And daily I deal with trying to learn how to be loved unconditionally, trying to learn how to let my husband know what how I grew up and why I am like I am. So the reason that I started the channel was because. I felt the need to speak about what I've been through and to help someone because I'm not, I know I can't be the only one. And even though I was never baptized, I still grew up as a Jehovah's witness. I think my mom joined when she was about five years old. Um, Her and my father were separating. And when she was leaving him, she said that she prayed to Jehovah and told him if he was to get her out of that situation, she would serve him for the rest of her life. So she's been doing that for the past 40 years. So I just growing up and living, I guess, being in school and having to never be included, feeling like I was an outsider, all the things that Jehovah's Witness kids go through, I went through, but I was never baptized. So I'm, I created a setting or a global living room so that people like me who were never baptized, all people, but definitely people like me who were never baptized can have a place to go. One of the things that I found was that because I wasn't baptized, I'm in an ex-Jehovah Witness group on uh, Facebook and some other groups, but I was always looked at like I was still an outsider, 
but I don't relate to people who are in any other faith. So there was nowhere for me to really go. So I'm, that's the reason I created the channel. You know, Coco, uh, what you describe is so true. Uh, one of the aspects about being involved in this religious group is that you're constantly made to feel that you are outside of another group. And even inside the organization, we know that people are put into little boxes. He's active, he's inactive, he's, he's spiritually weak, he's spiritually strong. And so we're constantly being uh, put into these little boxes. And even the persons who are not baptized, uh, as I often tell people, the Watchtower really doesn't care whether you're baptized or not, because they're going to use your number when they talk to the media. And the minute you get in trouble, they're going to disown any knowledge of you, almost like Mission Impossible. We don't know who you are. But yet they counted you in that annual report every year to impress people with those numbers. And so by you setting up a channel like the one that you have, it gives people who were not baptized the opportunity to let their voices be heard as well. And that is really nice because everybody needs, as, as we often say, you need to get this stuff off your shoulder. You really do. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So um, what I'm understanding is that because I was never baptized and um, I still have to deal with my mother and be in the setting with Jehovah's Witnesses, they oftentimes don't know how to deal with me because I can't necessarily be shunned, but I'm not a part of. They also don't understand. And I've heard this before. There was actually a situation where there was someone who passed away that was a Jehovah's Witness. And my mom has walking limitations. So I went to the repast to help out. And because I like dealing with food and helping people and serving, I um, was helping to, to distribute the food. So there was about 300 people there. And I was making sure that pe- there was enough chicken, going to send for more chicken, all of the things coordinating the repast. And someone came up to me and asked me, are you a witness? And I said, no. And they said, why? As though I was like had seven heads. And I said, I'm just not. And then somebody else came up to me. Are you a witness? So they were expecting me to be a witness and wondering how I can show them this type of love, which I consider to be the love of Christ that you should show to anyone, um, how I can show this type of love and support if I'm not a part of. And then um, someone actually said, like, I don't understand how you can be a witness and be such a great person. And I I never forgot that because I was just saying I was just thinking that one thing that I just like about the Jehovah's Witness religion is that they basically only take care of themselves. So they don't condone or they don't help with other people unless there's somebody that, in my experience, that they're trying to recruit. In those instances, they'll be very helpful. But when it comes to people outsiders or if there's a natural disaster or anything like that, they're not going to go help people that are not like their own. And that's something that I really don't like and don't think is right. So, yes, you are right, JT. Yeah, charity is not something that is a strong attribute of the Jehovah's Witness faith. Um, they only take care of their own and then they don't even do that half the time. So it, it's, it's very unfortunate. So when they see people who are not witnesses displaying the fruits of the spirit, a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses become confused they, 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 because the organization has told them we're the only people who do nice things. And then when they see someone who's not a witness doing something nice with no motive in, in, in mind, just simply to help out, uh, it does become confusing to witnesses. And like you mentioned before, uh, we'll oftentimes be very nice to people if there's a possibility that we can start a home Bible study with them. And so, <laughs> and so that's, that's, and that's kind of the driving force. As witnesses, you know, you only really deal with people if there's a possibility you can witness to them. If it's not, you know, you, 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 you're not gonna have anything to do with them. Right. And, um, I, I think what you mentioned about, you know, going to the funeral to help out. Uh, you just fit right in, helped out, and all of a sudden, 
They wanted to know who were you and why you're doing this because we don't believe that other people will do nice things for people unless they're Jehovah's Witnesses. So for me, in learning, in, in learning conditional, unconditional love and trying to give unconditional love, well, as much as you can as a human, because we do have conditions that are just kind of natural, right? But um, a recent situation that happened was um, I had a man, I was working in the, in the company that I work for now, and my manager contacted me about a promotion that I hadn't applied for anything. So she contacted me and I hadn't, I mean, she put in a good word for me. She talked to the boss's boss's boss. Other people were all gathering around trying to help. People were sending all kinds of referrals and all these things for me to get the position. And I just felt so uncomfortable. I made a video about it also, but I felt so uncomfortable because I was like, why would people do something for me without wanting something in return? Why? How? I mean, what can I give you? I actually sent her a gift because I felt like I had to do something. And anytime, more, more, more often than not, if someone does something for me, I have to do something back. I can't just take it. I cannot just accept it. I can't think that they don't want something in return. And that's very unhealthy because that's not how it should be. People should help people without, without wanting something in return. That's how we should do as a whole. But that's just something I'm not comfortable with. So um, funny you should mention that, JT. That is something that I actually just went through about a month ago. And um, it's just really hard trying to figure out how to live in this world and be a part of the world. And I feel like I'm so green to everything. I'm so green to when it comes to sports. Um, I, I love watching sports because I love seeing people that are helping and, and supporting one another, throwing the ball to the other one. You know, they tap each other on the behind. They're so excited. They've drawn to tears, helping one another. My husband is retired military. So he has people that he is friends with that he's known forever, that they're just like family. They're so inclusive. They love and support and help one another, help each other move. They're always there for one another. Um, all of these different settings. And in, a friend of mine told me recently that like if we have a group chat, I constantly want to feed that group chat because I want to be a part of a group. I so badly want to be accepted. And I know that that's a result of me growing up so excluded. Um, when I was in high school, in uh, elementary school, middle school, I remember being the child who had to go tell the teacher, hi, I wanted Jehovah's Witnesses. So when you um, pledge allegiance, I can't be a part of that. Any holidays can't be a part of that. I have to go to the library. Any birthdays can't be a part of that. So I've always felt um, very, very excluded and not included. And that's something that really is hard for me even now. So Coco, let me just ask you a quick question. Is there any reason why you chose not to get baptized? Yes, there are several reasons I chose not to get baptized, um, which was very difficult because um, there's a lot of pressure to get baptized. So I had to live through that. And with people, when you get 11, I think they said, that's when you you can't, you can no longer be on your parents' coattail of being saved or being, te- be, being good with Jehovah. So you had to, around that time is when most people um, would start getting baptized in my experience. But for me, I I thought it was the truth, kind of the truth, not so much the truth, wasn't sure, but I was never all in. And it was hard. Like, there's so much. Like, I didn't want to comment in the meetings, right? I would, like, she would, my mom would tell me I needed to comment. So I would try to do true or false or just A, B, C, or D, or like Jehovah, one word. And she would like, no, you need to give a comment that's thought out. I never wanted to do that. I didn't want to comment. Or we wouldn't feel service, which is going door to door to preach the um, religion. I would try not to touch the doorbell. Like I would put my finger on it, but not push it. So that's teaching deceit, right? Or I would knock on the door very lightly and pray nobody would come to the door. Oh my goodness. Um, and then, so I didn't enjoy any of that. And then um, I did not 
I didn't, I, I didn't believe that a God, that God, who is a God of love, wanted people to have to sit in the back of the kingdom hall and not talk to people if they made a mistake. I just didn't think that was loving. So that was a big problem for me growing up. I hated seeing that. I'm a servant. I like connecting with people. So I had a real problem with the fact that people had to be shunned if they were disfellowshipped. Um, also, I my mom could never, when I would ask her questions, like, where were the Jehovah Witnesses in like 1131? Like not before Charles Taze Russell came up with this whole idea, where were the witnesses in 1211? Like, show me a true dotted line where Jesus selected the witnesses. I need to really see it. I need to know where the witnesses were before, like soon, lately. And she would always say, you have to believe. And I was like, no, I don't. In my mind, like, no, I don't. Like, I, I, I re- and then not being able to research the religion. I researched my lip gloss. I researched the cars that I buy. I researched the food that I cook. I researched everything that I do. And I can't research my whole religion. I can only go to your website. That's like going, saying, okay, I want to get a Toyota, but you can only go to the Toyota website and look at the good comments. That made no sense to me. So there were so many different things that just never set right in my soul. And then I knew that if I did get baptized, I wasn't going to live up to everything I was supposed to do because I was going to have some drinks and do some cursing and do and live my life over the course of my life. So I couldn't fully commit. And I didn't want to put myself in a position that my mom couldn't speak to me one day. So that's the reason I decided not to get baptized. Um, not, not to mention all the things I found out later on when I finally did do research and we can talk about that. Um, but that's why I didn't get baptized. Yeah, what you're talking about is known as the age of accountability. When you can't ride on your parents' coattail no more. Yeah, we all we all did that. And 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 the the, the tricks at the door you pull about not touching the doorbell or knocking <laughs> on that and, and praying, please don't come to the door, especially with some of your classmates' house. Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> exactly. How did it play out as you got older in school? You know, did you ever go to school and just decide, hey, look, I'm standing for the pledge, I'm eating the chocolate cake for birthday? Did you ever do anything like that? So I I tend to be somewhat of a person that doesn't enjoy following strict rules. And as I mentioned, I like to be included. So I would tell the teacher I couldn't celebrate things and I couldn't participate in birthdays. I've never said the Pledge of Allegiance, probably still don't know it. But I did a time or two go ahead and celebrate a little Christmas, maybe get a little gift. And there was this little box that we used to get. It was um. Lifesavers and it was lifesavers on each side, and it was like maybe 10 things of lifesavers in there. And people would give me those. I would love to get those. I tried to eat the whole box before I went home because I never took anything home. And I think I snuck and went trick or treating once or twice with like a sheet over me, not a real costume because I wanted the candy. So, um, yeah, I would do things here and there, but then you felt so bad because you knew you weren't supposed to, you know. But yeah, I, I did a few things here and there. Oh, yeah, the guilt tripping there, there, there. <laughs> yeah, the guilt tripping is, is really bad. I, um, my mom wasn't a strict, strict Jehovah's Witness, so I could have some friends outside of the Kingdom Hall, but I did have one best friend who's still my best friend, who's actually, um, this fellowship now, been married for like 20 years and married my husband and I. Um, so that's a whole nother dynamic, how she and I finally went to a different website other than JW.org together and thought we were going to actually die right then. Um, but we were on the phone. I love you. I love you too. Okay, we're going to hit this inner button and we're going to look it up. And then we started finding out all this information. But, um, Basically, I um, did not, as my as people were getting baptized, I just kind of said, I'm not sure yet. We'll see. I'll let you know. I don't want to do the questions, mom. 
Um, and I just kind of like let it play out. I kind of evaded the subject as other people were getting baptized. My mom would be so emotional at the at the conventions when people would get baptized. She would just cry tears of joy. I don't know if there were also tears that my daughter ain't doing it, but she would get so emotional and she would just be so um, so elated when people got baptized and, you know, clapping as the people walked down the, the little way and with their little bags to go with their modest bathing suits on to go get baptized. I don't want to get my hair wet at the convention because I was trying to meet boys too. So I, that was another thing. I needed to look cute the whole time. Then they would come out looking all disheveled and my mom would smell them and say, you smell like baptism water. I would just, I would just put it all out of my mind. I would go and have my little sandwich. And when they had the hoagies at the conventions, I would get me two or three extra hoagies and take them home. I would count the bumps in the ceiling, whatever I had to do, but I was not going to get baptized. So I just kind of skated on by, just skated on by. And then when I was about 17, um, because I still to this day don't really enjoy Thursdays and Tuesdays because we had, you know, Tuesday you had the um, book study. Then Thursday we had the theocratic ministry school. And then um, Saturday was field service. And then Sunday was the meet. That's four days out the week. And and so what ends up happening is as a young person, um, even though you're not baptized and every one of us went through this before we got baptized, you actually end up having to live this double life. And it was just very, very difficult. Um, you. you because a lot of the things like you mentioned, you couldn't, it could not be explained to you. And a lot of the questions that you asked, those are the questions that we all should have been asking myself and anyone who got baptized, but we didn't, we just rolled along with the program and our parents, our parents, that's why they became Jehovah's witness. They did not ask those questions when the organization put stuff out there that made no sense. They just rolled along with it because the organization promises every person something. They guarantee you, you're going to get this if you move these books. And once they find out that the organization is going to give them what they promised, it is almost impossible to get a person out of this organization. And that's really what the driving force is. They make promises and people want those promises to come true. And also, so like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, also, I remember there was the magazine, you know, those living will never die. So I just try to keep my big toe in. I just want to do enough. If it is the truth, hey, I'm going to, you know, just go to the to the um, memorial. I'll, you know, I'll do that. You know, I'm going to pray, try to keep my myself together, try to live pretty decent, you know. But I remember that on that magazine, those people, they were kind of like not old. So I was like, if they're going to if they're going to never die, then I should make it like I should. That's why I never went to college. Um, that's why I didn't do some of the things I would have done because I was like, what's the point? Yeah. You know? So Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask you. Like, yeah. here you are going to the meetings, just biding your time, but then now you're saying that you still make career choices and <laughs> educational decisions based on the Watchtower Doctrine. Just because like I, I probably would have did, did things a bit differently, but I thought I had time. So the, I, I my credit cards, I was like, I ain't gonna have to pay this, you know, I'm good, you know. Then your credit is five hundred. <laughs> And you got to repair all of this because you, you know, okay, now I, I made yeah. it to 30. Now I made yeah. it to 40. What's going on? Those people got to be dead. And then also the memorial, that number they used to give, the number used to go down. It used to go some, some direction. So my best it went friend down. said, I, it went down. It went yeah, down. So then right. it started going back up. It started like moving. Up. I'm like, it's, so my best friend, after the memorial, she would call me um, and she would say, what's the number? And I tell the number, and then when the number yeah. starts going up, she's like, "How the number going up? These are yeah. something ain't right, man. <laughs> something ain't right." Yeah. yeah, I mean, when we left, when we left, it was down to seven thousand, and now, man, it's like it's like twenty some thousand people. Everybody getting drinking, everybody drinking, everybody right. drinking. 
But you know, and, and this is the thing. And when, when when Coco was talking about, I'm on Facebook and people are telling me, you know, you don't, you're like an outsider. You know everything that they know. You just didn't take that extra step. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> but but they but so 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 someone told me, like I said, that's the reason I created the channel the way I did. Someone told me, literally, they said, um, so you're not, you can't call yourself an ex. Um, an ex Jehovah's Witness. You have to put unbaptized publisher in there because you could go on a kingdom hall and be spoken to. You can um, get baptized if you want to. I'm like, I don't want to do none of that though. My thing is the experience that I had was so similar. I mean, I didn't go to the teacher and say, "Hey, I'm an unbaptized publisher, so I can't, I can't um, celebrate the birthdays." I said, "I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses, so I can't participate in these things." And then as life goes on, like what I go through right now is not, it, it has nothing to do with unbaptized publisher. It has to do with how I was brought up, which was I was brought up in a Jehovah Witness home as a Jehovah's Witness. So the separateness of it, I understand, but it's very relative, you know? Yeah, what, what's, what's ha- th- this is what's happening. Um, at one time, and I know this for a fact because my sister was part of this. Um, at one time in the organization, if a young person got in trouble, they could be held in the back just like a regular baptized person. And they would read them off as no longer being an approved associate. And as a result of that, they would be treated just like a disfellowship person. My sister went out under that old program, the old arrangement, as it were. And to this very day, if she meets some Jehovah's Witnesses in the stores and so forth, especially some of the older friends, you know, they don't even know what they teach and believe today. And they will turn and go the other way because they remember, I remember she got bailed off. And, and so they'll go the other way. And so the Watchtower made a decision to drop that because they were being sued by people who were not baptized. And especially when they would read out the, the, the announcement that you are, you know, you're involved in conduct, unbecoming a Christian. And folks just started suing the society. So, look, I never got baptized. And the Watchtower legal department realized we got to change some of the rules. And that's what they did. Um, but interestingly today, what is happening today, more than ever, the organization, instead of going with an official position on this, they are doing it on the sly. Because more and more people who are not baptized are finding out that their family is deciding to treat them as if they were. And the reason why is because basically the organization's position is anybody who knows this ain't the truth and it ain't coming to the kingdom hall, we have nothing to do with them. And so we get so many calls and emails and texts from people like, I never got baptized, man. I left, I left when I was 16. Their parents will call them up and say, just want to know, you think about going back to the kingdom hall and serving Jehovah? And like, well, I ain't going to the kingdom hall. And right then and right there, they will let them know we will be having nothing else to do with you. So even though today you have people who are not baptized, the Watchtower rules culture is now starting to swallow those individuals back up again. I remember someone who um, people have contacted us over the years and his mom, because he, he was he was he was handled in the congregation under the old rule. And we'll put a we'll put a link down to it and we'll we'll, we'll show you what, what it says as well. Um, but what happened was he was kicked out of the congregation, as it were, as an unbaptized child, unbaptized young person. And 10, 15, 20 years later, his mama calls him up. Hasn't had nothing to do with him. She calls him up and says, I just want to let you know that the society says I can talk to you now. And he was like, mama, 
If you got to wait for some people out of New York to tell you you can talk to your child, then I don't need you to have to talk to me anymore. And so this mother was literally shocked. She was shocked that her son was not excited that I can now talk to you because she missed the whole point that somebody that she didn't even know, never seen. And this really gets serious when you move outside the United States. I mean, my goodness, you live in Chile. You live in Argentina. You live in Poland. You live in Brazil. You live in Japan. And somebody out of the United States is telling you as a parent, you can't talk to your child. And then finally, when they say you can, all of a sudden you're excited to be able to talk to your child who's not baptized. This is a type of culture that we grew up in. And so this type of non Thinking, non-critical thinking is what got us in this religion and is the only thing that will get us out is by becoming a critical thinker. And what the point that you made was so valuable, you know, you you begin to analyze like this makes no sense. And if it doesn't add up, two plus two is not adding up correctly. That's when a person needs to start realizing I got to get out of this thing. But you know what, JT, too, um, uh, didn't Mm -hmm. you say, like, when your sister was read off, the Watchtower Society didn't go clean up their mess either, did they? So didn't you have to, like, if if it's your daughter, like, did your mother call your sister and say, Oh, yeah, that that, that was a whole thing. People 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 were calling up their unbaptized I can talk to you now, baby. But see, my issue is not the fact that people called them. My issue was the fact that the Watchtower did not write their own wrong. Right. You had, to, you had to wait for someone to call you to tell you that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm sure. talking that's about. Right. That's for sure. And, that, and, that's, and that's, the, that's the bad thing. Because, you know, you, that, you took time to write, you took time to read me off, but then you didn't take time to write your wrong. Oh, yeah. But that's the situation with um, the witnesses as a whole, all of the things that they've done wrong, all the people who passed away who didn't get the blood platelets or the blood, you know, all of those things. They don't go back and make things right. All no. of you that passed away, they can't give them life again. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> the things that happen, they just they just keep moving on like like nothing ever happened. It's called collateral damage. Exactly. That's what it's called. Collateral damage. So now, Coco, when did you actually find out and get this confirmation? How long? Has it been that you've actually found out the real truth about this religion? So um, for me, like I said, um, when I was 17, that's when my mom told me, "Okay, well, you're not just going to sit in this house. If you're not going to go to the kingdom hall, you need to start working. So I started working every time there was a meeting, every single time there was a meeting. Put me on the schedule, put me on the schedule, put me on the schedule. So um, there was that. So from 17 all through my 20s, I didn't have anything to do with it. I was still praying. and then I had a situation with a previous employer that was tough. And so um, that's when I started going back to the meetings because I was like, OK, well, this is really tough. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to the meetings, see, you know, how I feel about it. So I went back for some time and then my grandmother got sick with dementia. And while she had dementia, as I mentioned, I'm an only child and only grandchild. My mother took care of her Monday through Thursday. I took care of her Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So we would listen to listen in a, to the meetings um, on Sunday. Sundays and took care of her. And that was for about three years. And then this time I still kind of believed. I said, if it's the truth, then I'm doing enough. I should be, because, you know, they used to say you might be saved. Not you will be saved if you do right, but you might be saved. So I wanted to be on the might side. So um, when my grandmother passed away, which was probably about seven or eight years, about eight years ago, when she passed away, when I went back to the Kingdom Hall, I um, 
sat there and there was a girl that I was really good friends with who was a witness and I would sit with her and her family always. So um, this particular thir- Thursday night, we were there and th- the meeting went on. After the meeting was over, the brothers went to her house and told her that she could no longer speak to me. She did not need to be friends with me, that I had been gone for all of this time. Um, and she was like, wait, what? She's one of the best people I've ever known. You need you need to ask her why she wasn't here. And I, if they had asked me, honestly, I may still be there, be going to the meetings because I would have told her my grandma was sick. You're misunderstanding. It's OK. Um, I, I wasn't not participating or I wasn't not listening to the meetings. But since they didn't do that, when they left her house, she called me and she was in tears and she told me what they said. And it really broke my heart. I was so, so upset. So uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who's a Christian about it. And um, she said, why would you go somewhere where they treat you like that? And that was the first time I ever said, and I just said, yeah, why, why do I? Like, you know, why, why do I go somewhere where they treat me like that? And then that was the first time I really thought, I don't have to put up with that. So then when I spoke to my mom about it, she's like, yeah, well, you know, the, the brothers sometimes do things they shouldn't do, or sometimes they make mistakes, but you still need to serve Jehovah. You can't hold Jehovah responsible for what man does. And I'm like, yeah, but they're his representatives and I don't feel comfortable going and I'm not going back. So it was after that. So I say it was my grandmother's exit because she ended up passing away. It was her exit from this world that was my interest into my relationship with God now, because from there, I just started to wake up and then I started to do research. Like I mentioned, um, my best friend and I, we um, we were just because she's been disfellowshipped for years and years and years for a mistake she made in her teens. And her mother is also a pioneer. And so we're still very close. And so we decided to get on the Internet and, and Google some information. And we Googled it. And we literally were like my heart was about to beat out of my chest. And we were like, OK, if we pass away when we hit this inner inner. I love you. And she's like, OK, I love you, too. And we looked it up and nothing happened. We were still living. That's the brainwashing that that, you know, that happens as a from being a part of this religion. It's just crazy. Then I found some people on YouTube and I wanted to get some information because they had actual publications that had been changed and I want, and they had copies of them. So I wrote these people, I don't remember who they are now, but I wrote them under an alias and I had it mailed to a different address other than mine. And I got three copies, one for my best friend, one for myself, and I think an extra copy. And I started looking through that information. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And from there, it was just a snowball effect where I continued to do research um, and find out. And now I'm just shocked at what I've learned about different Candace Conti and different cases and then JW Facts and all of that. And so, like I said, my mom is still in the religion. And we just it's just a mute point. So up until about three years ago, I would still take her to the conventions because she did. Like I said, she has some walking limitations. So I would prepare like the best lunches, the best meals uh, and uh, snacks and all of the things for um, her and her friends. And I would um, I would go to the um, the conventions with her. So I would literally drive her to the conventions Friday, Saturday, Sunday, take a day off of work. I would um stand in the line to get her a good seat. I would sit through the convention every single day, have her all the best lunches. I would go to the memorial, drive her to the memorials. I would do the, all of that up until about three years ago. And then when my husband um, and I got together, he was like, you're giving your mom false hope. Like you need to be, you need to be upfront with her and tell her you're not coming back. Cause I think you doing all of that is making her think, ha- have hope that you're coming back. So then I finally told her I wasn't going to be taking her to the, and it was so hard. It was so emotional and so hard. And I know I broke her heart, but I told her I wasn't going to be taking her to the conventions. I was not going to um, be going to the memorials or any of that anymore. And um, she didn't, she stopped speaking to me for some time. I don't remember how long, maybe it was two weeks. It felt like two years, 
but she wouldn't talk to me. She shut down. And as close as we are, we talk every day. She wouldn't have anything to do with me. And then finally it worked itself out. And now we communicate again and everything's okay. Wow. That's a lot. Um, I think what your husband said though was interesting because you were really dedicated doing all that work. Yeah. And your mom was very, very hopeful. And she probably thought any day now, yeah. you were going to be going through your questions, right? Yeah. I <laughs> so, didn't realize it. I was just being helpful. That's kind of who I am. So I, I had no idea what I was doing. But when he said it, I'm like, oh, you know, plus it was easier because I didn't want to break her heart. Exactly. Exactly. So after all that took place now, are you currently, you know, um, are you currently um, in another religion right now? So I am a Christian. I still believe in God. Um, I have no desire to be a part of any type of like I don't belong to a church. I do kitchen ministry. So I watch whoever I want to watch. I study. I read the Bible. Um, I have a prayer area closet in my upstairs that I go to. I actually got baptized as a Christian, not because I thought baptism was necessary, but I kept getting, um, I kept getting, I kept like, when I would turn the radio on, they would talk about baptism. When I would um, pray, I would think about baptism. And so I was like, okay, I need to make this, I need to do this. So I did it in a friend of mine's pool and, um, somebody videotaped it. So it was a whole thing. We were, it, was a, it was maybe 10 of my friends and we all spoke about, they all spoke about what the changes they've seen in me. Um, I have a friend who was around when I was um, going to the Kingdom Halls, who was a Christian, actually bought me my first Bible and she's in, um, she's now my Christian sister. She spoke about the changes that she saw in me. It was a very nice small ceremony and then we had food afterwards. Well, somebody videotaped it. My mother and I are not Facebook friends. But some, somehow my mom's Facebook friends with somebody who was there and saw it. So she knew for quite some time and she got sick August of last year and was in the hospital and for 13 days. And while she was there, a lot of things came out um, that we I learned about her. She learned about me. And in that process, she told me that she saw that I got baptized and she saw it on Facebook and how much it hurt her. And it hurt me that it hurt her, you know. But um, yes. Yeah, so, yes, I am a Christian now. And I and I'm I'm not a Bible thumper. I'm not forcing it down anybody's throat, you know, but I don't want to be a part of anything. I don't want anybody asking me why I didn't come to church, why they didn't see me. None of that. I still have. um, Anytime I've gone into a church, which has been less than 10 times, I always feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. Like I always feel like my heart starts beating because they said, you know, you're not supposed to go in those settings. So I still have that. And it gets less and less and less. But um, I don't belong to a church, but I'm a Christian. Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say that because it is. when when you say my mom got so hurt that I got baptized, but it's like, okay, but it was okay to get baptized as a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. But if you get baptized someplace else, it's like, oh, I'm just so hurt. Right. <laughs> if right. you and told your mom, I'm telling you cracks, she'd have been more happy than you, <laughs> you got I mean, it's, no, no, I'm a, we, we have a buddy of mine, a buddy right, live up the street from us. He, his mama, when he left the organization, his mama said, I wish you'd become a drug dealer. And this guy's, him and his wife, outstanding couple. And that's just how she felt about him leaving this organization. And when you see that, it really uh, makes you readjust. I just want to just touch base back on something you said that I think is very important. Um, you mentioned your husband. Is it not amazing when a non-Jehovah's Witness who is standing back, not part of the mix, makes an observation about what he sees happening in our lives. And when they often speak about what they see, that is what often makes us stop and say, hmm, 
I never thought about that. And that's because of the culture that we're in. What your husband asked you is a question that practically anybody would have asked. But if it had been a Jehovah's Witness, it would have never been there. And so it's amazing how people who are not involved in this organization are able to see literally straight through it. They see, they see it for what it's worth. And that is the reason why we see so many people, you know, they like Jehovah's Witnesses, they're good people, they don't steal from you, but I'm not going out to their church. I'm not going to be a part of that. And so I thought it was very interesting. And, 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 and your experience with your spouse is very, very common. We've interviewed, in fact, we have actually done interviews and we've invited the, the person who's never been a witness to come on. And when they start telling their story, their basic view is y'all are just crazy <laughs> because they have no court. They, they cannot make any correlation between what you and I are talking about. Your mom ain't talked to you and she's mad because you got baptized. What? I mean, that is so, if you tell your coworkers that they look at you like, girl, you just lie. But we know, we know it's true. That is what this religion really is all about. I mean, it's amazing. It is. And there's so many yeah. things like for him, um, like, like he wears a cross necklace and a cross bracelet. And so um, for him, he's like wearing a cross. Like what's wrong with wearing a cross or like singing, singing happy birthday. There's another video on my um, channel. Um, and, and I was talking about like, I was, my mom was over here visiting and there was my two aunts who are not witnesses, my husband and my mom. And then his uncle called and they were singing happy birthday to his uncle in the presence of my mom. And I immediately felt oh my, so uncomfortable. I was sweating. Oh my goodness. I was so nervous. I was like, Oh my goodness. And I couldn't bring myself to sing clearly, of course, but just having that type of thing that I feel. And he, he just, it's just amazing to him. Like the things that are so normal, like saying, bless you. I finally said, bless you. And I started saying, bless you to him. If he sneezes in front of my mom. And that was a big deal for me to do that. But him being somebody, like you said, who doesn't know anything about the religion, he's like, what? Like, what is happening? But then for me, I can say, like, today we were even watching a show about a cult. And um, in watching that, when I see those shows, I'm like, oh, my goodness. But then I think of and I, and I ask him, I said, does this remind you of, of, you know, what I grew up in? You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses. And he's like, not necessarily, but a lot of cults are very similar. They're very, very similar. You know, so, yes. Yeah. To your point, it is a real adjustment for him because he has he hasn't been around it. He didn't grow up with it. He doesn't know anything about it besides what he's learning through me. Yeah, I remember talking to someone and they had a witness over at their house, witness family member, and the gospel singer Donnie McKirkland came on, and the song "We Fall Down But We Get Up," and 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 and, and the relative was they were getting into it, and all of a sudden they realized, oh no, this is Chris no, my case, and so. <laughs> <laughs> A sister, um, a sister in our congregation when we were still going to our, when we were still going to the meetings and stuff, and I remember this one older sister, and it was the Kirk Franklin song <laughs> that was based on the Parliament Funkadelic, I think it was, and it was GP, are you with me? GP, are you with me? I'm and so she was getting all up into it, and um. She was like, oh, no, I had to turn that off because it was gospel. When I was growing up, it was like we couldn't listen to gospel music because they knew that gospel music was related to Christendom. Mm -hmm. So, you know, but. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of that, I have a situation that happened just last weekend. My father-in-law was here. My mother, we were at our investment property. My husband's there, my mom, my father-in-law, his girlfriend and myself. And we're all in the house and we're listening to jazz music. This was Sunday. Yeah, we're listening to jazz music. Then all of a sudden, um, gospel music came on. 
So I literally, my pit starts sweating. I'm like, oh my goodness. I know my mom's so uncomfortable. I'm like, oh my goodness. I got to figure out something to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Because yeah. I didn't want to be weird. Because my father-in-law, he whistles. You know, he's whistling and enjoying it. Everybody's enjoying it. My mom's sitting there. She's not having, showing anything. But I know what she's feeling, right? So I inch over there. And I'm trying to figure out how to change the channel. You know, and I'm like, oh my goodness. But the 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 point is that I feel all of this. First of all, I have an issue with boundaries because that's her problem, not mine. So I'm working on that. But secondly, being just the fact that something like that can be such a big deal, you know, and I know that she's uncomfortable and what I felt from her perspective is so yeah. unhealthy. Yeah. It, it, is it not sad how accommodating, how accommodating we are to people who would never, ever be accommodating for us? Yes. It's really amazing. Um, And so that's where I, you know, we tell people, ladies, see that my, and we tell people, you know, you are going to have to reach the point where you will say, mom, I love you to death, but we're not going no further. And because if not, they will literally continue to, like you said, you getting sweaty in your pot. You should have felt nothing. And, and, and that's where you want, and that's where you want to go because that is the fear of this religion still impacting us. And that's the whole point. You know, people say, well, you weren't baptized. And look what you just, look what you just mm-hmm. explained. You just explained the same way a Jehovah's Witness who was baptized for 25 years would feel the same way who left this organization. They're worrying about what mama going to say because we plan Kurt Franklin. Mm-hmm. And so you will have to work your way to the point where you're like, you know what, mama? I appreciate this. You did the best you could, but you're not going to let the, I'm not going to let these guys in New York continue to, to dictate my life. And that's really the whole thing. Uh, we and have I'm got, not there yet. I'm yeah, not there yet. And, 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 that's, and that's normal. And, and, it will, and, and it is a process. I mean, it is literally a process. As we tell people all the time, the same way people become a part of this religion, step by step, week by week, meeting by meeting, we go out the same way. Mm. And, um, and you will get there. Because there's so, like you said, something as simple as bless you. I remember, you know, people, you know, witnesses just, ladies, he had an experience out and, and, and served with his sister. I mean, they just, they just, they just break out. I mean, they fall out over the simplest and non-craziest stuff. You're like, what are you talking about? But as a witness, you were taught to make everything a major thing. And then, of course, the flip side is we pick and choose. We pick and choose what we can and cannot do, and it's all dictated to us. When the when the watchtower tells us that X is not a conscious matter, we say it's not a conscious matter. Six months later, they come back and say X is now conscious. Matter. We so happy, we happy that they told us we can do it. We always could do it, mm-hmm. and we never stopped to think. Hold up, you just told me I couldn't do it. And you said you got your stuff from God. Thank you. It's new light. It's new light. Come on now. Right. (laughs) But you know what I find, though, is the one about going to the churches, because I feel like when they finally said that going to church for a funeral or a wedding was a conscious matter, a lot Mm -hmm. of people still did not want to go. And my mom was one of those people. Mine too. She still won't. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was when we were still, when she was still a witness, though, because my mom, fortunately, we got her out. But, but Coco, what, how did you mend this broken relationship with your mom when you told her you weren't going to get baptized? Well, how did things, you know, come back full circle for you guys? 
So, um, like I said, it was just a couple weeks. But when when you when I know I've disappointed her, because something for me is I want to please people. I'm a people pleaser. I want to serve. I don't want to make any waves. I suck up my feelings. All of those things. All the things that I was taught growing up the way that I grew up. But um, so let's say it was a couple of weeks. I ended up getting sick and not feeling well. And so she wanted to know, was I doing okay? And then we just kind of proceeded from there. So it just, I didn't, I never said, why didn't you talk to me? I never addressed it. And another thing I feel like is that I didn't truly grow up, even though I'm 47 years old in my life and the way I feel, I feel like I'm still under her, under her thumb. And I still don't want to disappoint her. And I still want to make sure that she's okay. And I still don't want to put her in a bad situation. So me being almost 50 years old, I still feel like I'm a child and my eyes towards her. So, um, so to answer your question, it just, because I got sick, she, um, called a check on me and we kind of just went on from there. But what I would like to have been able to do and be strong enough to do, and I can do, I'm a mover and shaker in my job. I'm outspoken in all other settings, except with my mother. I would like to have been able to say, well, that was not loving for you to not talk to me like that. In addition to that, um, I'd like to just mention something that, um, a big deal in my life that, that I feel shows up in my day to day is that part of the discipline that I would receive from my mother would be to not speak to me. Um, so it kind of took me back to that place. And what I mean by that is like, if I made a mistake or if I was in trouble or I did something wrong, she would literally not talk to me for some time, whether it be a couple of hours, whatever. And I would just sit at her door. If her door was closed, I would talk under the bottom of the door to her to try to get her to talk back to me. Or I would ask her, can I get her some water or could I make her some oodles and noodles? Cause I, that's all I could make back then. But like, I just remember her not talking to me as a form of discipline. And we recently talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I was taking her to get some groceries and I was asking her something. And I said, oh, like the time that you would not talk to me. She said, yeah, I had to calm down and I didn't want to talk to you while I was still upset. And what I know now though, because I'm studying boundaries, it should have been, I love you. You made a mistake that disappointed me. I don't want to talk about talk right now, but I'll, you know, we'll talk another time, but I still love you. You're safe. That would be a better way to, if you need to calm down with your child or with someone else versus not speaking to them and just shunning them and not talking to them until you feel like you want to talk to them again. So um, her not speaking to me for that amount of time after I told her I was not going to go take her to the uh, conventions and come to the memorial was reminiscent of me um trying to have her talk to me when I was young and it was a form of discipline so um that's how we recovered but again I should have addressed it I should have been strong enough to say that wasn't loving I didn't appreciate you not speaking to me or what was your reason for not speaking to me and having that tough conversation but I didn't do that yeah in fact that's one of the things that Lady C and I focused on when we left and one of the things that we found that was helpful there's a book uh the, the lady uh it's written, it's called Emotional Blackmail, and it goes into exactly what you just described. And it does it on all levels, uh, but we saw how it tied into what we had been a part of, how they would use emotional blackmail to get us to do certain things, and they would use our loved ones to, to carry it out. And so, and it's powerful. Uh, we end up finding ourselves, as the, as the publication made the point, uh, you find yourself living in the fog fear, obligation, and guilt. And that's basically, it's just simply emotional blackmail is all it really is. Wow, fear, obligation, and guilt. I need to get that book. That is deep because I thought I was the only one, you know? So oh, that, no. That's, oh, no. that's deep. It's, it's actually a technique that is used by high control groups or high control individuals. It could be a husband, a wife, mother, brother. And of course, it could be 
groups and peer groups, they can use this emotional blackmail and it is powerful. I mean, it is powerful. And we know, like you said, you, you know, you, you, you reach here, you reach a certain age in life and it's almost as if you are still as if you are dealing with like a child ways. And that's the way all of us are who come out of this organization. I mean, we've talked to people so many times, you know, I, I just want to try to get my mama that, that no, you grown man, you're grown woman. And mm-hmm. yet because of the way we were raised and the value system we was given, is as if they can flip our switches anytime they want to. And that's what they do. They flip them on and flip them off all the time. Yeah, and I think what really is terrible growing up in this religion and being treated the way we're all discussing how we were treated, when you finally get into other arenas and you start to have other friends and build other relationships, you sometimes tend to think they're going to do the same thing. So you're waiting for the shoe to drop. You're waiting for someone to be nasty and mean and shun you and all that kind of stuff. And it takes a while for you to be able to feel comfortable being in other groups. Excellent. Because it's a very, very um, troubling situation to be in. And this is just a learned behavior that, you know, you've just used to dealing with people like that. So, um, I mean, it happens to all of us and we don't realize it, but sometimes that's why it's harder for us to make friends and be in relationships. Yeah. Very much so. And Excellent. I find that a lot, there's lots of things like it's not like me being the age that I am. I don't understand so much. I don't understand, you know, um, voting for, for I've only voted I think twice maybe but I mean I felt so guilty when I voted like I was like oh my gosh I shouldn't be voting I'm supposed to be neutral you know all of this thing but I'm gonna vote anyway because I want this man and, and you know you, 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 need get your, you need to get your taxes cut in the county you're gonna realize that after a while <laughs> right <laughs> so I mean exactly. just so many different things in my life I just feel like I'm just a brand new baby out here trying to figure out how to do life but it's still so much better than being in oh yeah oh, you know yeah. That is amazing. (laughs) Your your experience is so amazing because, you know, we talk to people all the time, but I mean, you really double clicked in there and, and, you know, went to the surface of all of the things that everyone that even got baptized felt. Yeah, no. You you really (laughs) bought it to the surface. You know what I'm saying? That is so true. That is so true. Hey, what is it? You went down to the marrow. (laughs) Exactly. That was interesting. So, so Coco, is there any other closing comments that you would like to make about your, you know, your experience, what you want other unbaptized witnesses to feel, think, do or whatever in their own personal lives? I do. I do. I want to just say that the reason I did, I did my channel. The reason I'm speaking here is first of all, I want to say I'm doing it afraid. I'm literally sweating in both pits right now, right? But I'm going to do it afraid because I need to help someone. I need it to be worth it. I need people to know that life on the other side is so much better. Even if, you know, even at JW Facts, you know, these channels, you know, all of these things, like I'm in the process of waking someone up right now. Someone that reached out to me, somebody knew somebody and there's somebody that I've known. Actually, there's somebody that I know, I've known all of their life. I was there when they were born. And um, I'm helping her to wake up. And she didn't even know that this community existed. She didn't even know that there was an XJW anything. She she thought she was the only one. She thought that when she left the Kingdom Hall, um, that she was just going to die, and she was prepared to just do that. She's living what I lived when I when I when I woke up. So um, I think that it's important that we everybody reach back and grab somebody when they're ready. 
Because I think you can't do it until they're ready. You can't force anything down anybody's throat. But once they're ready, help somebody. So that's my, I want to be, I want to be the change that I want to see. I want to be the person who is doing it afraid, but doing it anyway. I want to be helpful. And I understand and I know that we only get one life that we know of. You ain't seen nobody go and come back. And if they did, I don't want to talk to them, right? But if we only have one life that we know of, and if we do it right, it's enough. So whether it's late, she's 20, or whether it's 60, whether it's 80, whatever it is, it's so much better being under the uh, release from all of that bondage of trying to be perfect and trying to, you know, trying to be a Jehovah's Witness. So I want to be a voice to help people to know that even though it's difficult, even though there's things every day that I have to deal with that are residuals of how I grow up, grew up, there's still some things inside of me that are good. You know, I'm very honest. I'm hardworking. There's some principles that I have. So I'm going to expound on those things, expound on those things. And I'm going to live well. I'm going to enjoy E-N-J-O-Y, my life. And I encourage everyone else to do the same. So JW.Facts, look it up, do the research, get off JW.com, give yourself a chance. If you find, you know, do the research and just see what happens. A lot of people wake up because they're just trying to prove the religion right. Whatever you got to do do your research. And so that's why I'm here. And that's what I encourage people to do. Yeah. There's anything. Right on, can, girl. Yeah, yeah. Right on, girl. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If there's anything that we can do to help you with the person that you're working with, let us know. Um, that's the whole reason why we set up our channel uh, and we named it what it is, Critical Thinkers, because we realized that was what got us in trouble. That's what kept us in this organization is because we fail to be critical thinkers. Many of us, you talk to people, they'll say, I saw it, but it didn't register. And that's what got us. That's what got us. But I tell you, I, I'm so glad we was able to get you on um, to share your, your experience. And could you, you want to you you share what your, what your title of your channel is? Because we want people to, 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 to support you as well. Yes, yes. Check me out. Um, so it's XJW Unbaptized Publisher. E-X-J-W Unbaptized Publisher. Come join me. That's it. That's it. Let everybody yes. be heard. That's what I say. Go on over there and check her out, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. So anyway, so we want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode. And this has been Lady C. And this has been JT. Yeah, so this has been Coco. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your channel today. I really appreciate it. It was very therapeutic and I really appreciate it. Y'all take care. Take you care too. of yourself as well. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.